0: Hi, Poonam. It is an honor to interview you. I remember reading about the TV show May Kuch Kar Sakti Hoon that you conceived to promote women empowerment and being completely awed by it. From there to learning about your work on women's rights and social justice as the country director of MacArthur Foundation, founder of organizations like Shruti and Dustkar, and currently as the executive director of Population Foundation of India. You have continued to inspire me. I'm sure that this interview will inspire our listeners in the same way. Thank you so much for taking out the time, Poonam. Uh, So Poonam, how about we start by hearing in your own words about the key chapters in your journey in the development sector? How did you enter it? Uh, What made you (coughs) focus on these specific causes? Uh, Just would love to hear about it in your own words. So what really... um...
1: I think um, uh, I'm a case in point of a negative experience when born, which got converted into an inspiration and a positive experience for me. So I grew up in Delhi. I'm from a, uh, a middle-class Punjabi family in India, where along with the rest of India in Punjab, there's a huge sun preference. And here my poor mother had a third daughter, which was me. So the third daughter was a huge challenge for my uh, very fine parents whose relatives thought that a tragedy had happened. In fact, people returned the sweets that my aunt took uh, saying, what is there to celebrate when there's a third girl? You know, I noticed in many different ways that I was, um, that more than anything else, more than my discrimination, my mother was constantly scorned at and commented at for having, or um, uh, uh, there was, um, um, you know, sort of, uh, uh, not sympathy or empathy, but people used to pity her that she had a third daughter. And I noticed that, and then I also noticed some discrimination. I also noticed frustration in my mother and I realized that it was because I was a a sixth daughter, my parents treated me well. So this is a story of realizing um, that a girl child was unwanted uh, in our society. So what I uh, decided that It wasn't about me when I was six years old, I decided it's about being a girl. I didn't know anything more than that. All I knew was that I I shouldn't feel upset, I shouldn't feel hurt with anything because it's about a girl, it's not about Poonam. So I separated and you know, I didn't know the language, but when much later at the Kennedy School I did a course, uh, on leadership development where I learned the language that I'd gone to the dance floor and so on. But going to the dance floor meant I was always observing. Uh, uh, I didn't know the words rights and violation, but I was observing that. I learned it much later, The what I was doing. And I was on the dance floor um, uh, watching uh, women, girls being discriminated against and you know, uh, so that was one adversity that made me conscious and aware of the inequality that exists for women. But I, you know, it is so easy for women to be demoralize and so on. My message to everybody is, you know, um, I didn't know it will become such a strong uh, a part of, and guide me through my life. So then when I was in school in class nine, I was a chubby kid, okay? And um, I, well, we, we had a class called domestic science. We had a domestic science lab where we were taught how to cook, how to iron wash clothes, and things. Can you imagine getting grades for cooking food that you're gonna eat anywhere? So we had a lady called Anaro in the lab, the domestic science lab. I used to chat to. She was the cleaner. And I said to her, how many children do you have? So she said five. So I uh, asked her what grades they were in. She said, are you crazy? I don't send my children to school. I have five kids. I'm a widow. I cannot afford to go to uh, send them to school. So I said to her, but government education is free. She said, but what about the uniform and the books? And I'm talking about in, this is sometime in 1968 or so. So she said, no, it'll cost 12 rupees and my is 50 rupees. I mean, 50 rupees um, then was a lot of money, but 50 rupees and uh, 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 12 rupees is all she needed to send her kids to school. And the lunch money that my, parents used to give me to deposit in school was 12 rupees every month so i deposit that to anaro and guess what her kids started going to school and i started slimming down so it was a win-win situation and i also discovered the joy the pleasure of giving and doing something about a problem that you see there is nothing more empowering so while You know, I was sent to because my parents couldn't afford to send me to a private school. Her daughter, I went for five um, years to a public uh, in India. Government school is not like US. It's absolutely where only those who have no choice send their children to government schools. And I used to go in a government bus, a public bus, and I was sexually abused in uh, uh, the, the the buses. So you know it. It was a whole different life that I got exposed to. It would have never happened if I wasn't a third daughter. So for me, it is fantastic that I had all the negative experiences that I could then deal with for others and observe. So when I finished college, I was very clear. First, I didn't want to go to college because I'd started working with people who were physically challenged, blind. I was trying, I was defying everything wrong. society but um, my parents persuaded me to go to college i finished uh, a honors in psychology um, undergraduate and i while i was in college started working with leather workers because we had to do the social service and it's it's a government scheme a national scheme called nss and i found that there was not very much happening there people just marked attendance Also, there was nothing to learn. So I decided to create my own NSS program and I went to the closest slum near my college and I found leather workers there who were really exploited in factories and they were very talented migrants from UPBR, various places. I also was working with some women uh, um, who were widows in the Red Cross Society. So I started designing bags for them. At a cloth bags and for them to stitch uh, but the leather bag was a different story but i combined the two and i developed some designing production skills to work with um workers and i used to get them out of factories and get them to become entrepreneurs so um, that was how i started and i wanted to work with leather workers because they were dalits you know in our house There was discrimination against uh, people who were uh, um, Dalits and they are the ones who clean your house. So I noticed that and that made me want to, okay, so you see a problem, you know, you have to look for a solution. So I started working with leather workers and then I set up cooperatives of leather workers and I wanted to set up a federation of leather workers, but I got more involved with livelihoods and I came across a lot of women who weren't leather workers but um, whose lives were, when I started going to the villages, then that was another learning, you know, I found that women didn't, couldn't say their names. So if you asked a woman, what's your name? She would cover her head and say he, he, he. I realized that women didn't have an identity. You know, every woman uh, born in the villages is called so-and-so's daughter, the father's daughter. So if your father's name is John, then you're John's daughter. Then you marry a guy um, called Dick. You are his wife. You're not, your name is not mentioned. So-and-so's wife. Then you have a child. And when you have a son, you're the son's mother. So, you know, the first thing I did when I was looking at, you know, um, uh, women's issues was to get a video and get women to say what their name was. Because, you know, they even that they couldn't. It was part of their uh, upbringing and culture and social norms. So um, I then decided I had to start employment opportunities for women and men. Uh, so I start, you know, so I created this NGO, co-founded this NGO called Vastakar, which works with self-employed artisans. And most of them are low-cast people who belong to the untouchable Dalit background, or the very nature of their work makes them low in Harar. So that's how I began. Inspiration from others who had problems and inspiration from my own experiences.
0: It's, it's really interesting to hear how your passion and your discovery at each stage led you to do different things from working with the NSS to finding the car and working, uh, helping them create their own employment opportunities or being self employed. So, how did you move beyond that from starting the car to being the, to finding Speaker Sakti, who ideating that to MacArthur Foundation?
1: I have always responded to two things. One is the real problems in society. I've never thought of it as a career. What is my expertise going to be in? What is the expertise I have right now? No, you see a problem, you must find a solution. So it was things like that that guided me. It was values, it was way of thinking. So uh, there was no question of, I need to get trained, educated and so on. You know, so when I started working with leather workers, for instance, I was also, I I didn't only work with people who produce bags, I went to work with uh, amongst the Dalits, the lowest caste is the people who flay animals for leather, and then they treat leather. Oh, it's horrendous, you know, when they cut animals or when they're flaying the animal, you know, they don't have any tools, they don't have a space, you know, a platform, so I would watch all the black fall all over them, and it added to the untouchability and the filth, and it was such horrendous working conditions. So I started going to the, there was a a, a public sector uh, supported, uh, because there's so much leather work in India, uh, called um, the Leather Research Technology Institute, you know, I may not be saying the name. Um, uh, I'm, I'm maybe mixing the words, but it was a technology institute for leather exports for export manufacturers, because India was promoting a lot of ex- and exporting a lot of uh, uh, not importing, exporting a lot of leather goods. So I would go there and understand technology of tanning and see how we can bring the tanning technology and the flaying technology closer to these guys so that they could improve and enhance their incomes as well as have a cleaner work environment. So you go and learn, you know, there are opportunities. And then I wanted to create one of the, you know, I wanted to create a market for artisans. Okay, so what had I done? BA in psychology. I didn't know anything about marketing. And so what did I do? I went to, I stormed into the Indian Institute of Management. Of course, people, uh, encouraged me and somebody introduced me to this great uh, professor called Ravi Mathai, who was also the director at some point of IM uh, Ahmedabad. He was a co, one of the co-founders. And he, you know, I went, he, he was setting up something called the Jawaja Harvard University and, uh, you know, and a big focus was on marketing. So I went and said, I want to learn from you. This is a very busy guy, a great bar house and, a management guru, and he said, sure. So how often can you come to Ahmedabad? I'll hold classes for you over the weekend. So, you know, the point is that there is, I am not trying to tell you, I just did it on my own. People stepped out to support me. And let me say to everybody who is thinking of a career or as a student or as a young person, you know, when you really want to do something, the universe conspires to help you make it happen. Only you have to want to do something and you want to, you know, the for that and the masala to spice it is, uh, to get the recipe right is your willingness, your uh, passion and your commitment or your really wanting to do something. And then all these things, people encouraging you, doors open for you, you go into a fast track you know even the, uh, 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 the 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 fast track is designed by the universe for you you know you don't even know what to anticipate if i was to make a list of the number of people who helped me and 50% without asking for help i would go and speak about my work somewhere and let's say Oh, but can we do this for you? And we'll give you go to I am Andabad. You must meet Ravi Mata. You also have to aspire to not assume you know everything. You have to aspire to learn from others. And they're there to then support you. Not everybody will support you, but don't be disappointed. Nobody told you that the world is a perfect place and everyone. Helps everybody, right? But there's enough people who step up to support you. So I went through these classes with Ravi Nathai, set up Daspatar, and the second strategy I always use was co-founded Card. I always bring in the best minds. You know, don't be scared of best minds. Bring people who are better than you to work with you. A, your work will be better, and two, you can move. You know, you can move on to do other things. So I am never. Any NGO that I founded, which was in the first 10 years of my work life, I spent no more than three years. I moved on because there were great people who could do an equally good or better job. Only thing is, you know, they will take it in another direction. And you will take it in another path direction. But all directions are, as long as the aim and the uh, uh, objective is to common then you're fine. So, so I set up, so I went on to set up, that's the car, but then in the meantime, I uh, had to earn money, okay? So before, <laughs> so I used to take money from my parents to travel. And you know, I was very inspired by the way, also by Gandhiji. So talking about learning, I learned from Gandhi that he didn't know anything about India. When he came back from South Africa, he knew very little about India. Um, uh, he studied in England, then went and uh, practiced law in South Africa, and when he discovered uh, apartheid and discrimination, and he decided to come to India, he didn't know anything. So he decided to take a train, go in a train all over the country, and visited villages, and stayed with the poorest in the... So I thought that formula was great. If I wanted to work on poverty, I felt I didn't need to go to, you know, I had studied a certain amount. I felt being a psychology student, I understood people's behaviors a bit, psychology. I said, let's learn about the poverty, the Gandhi way. So I spent a lot of time traveling the length and breadth of this country and never stayed in a hotel. I didn't have the money, but the objective was to stay in the house of the poorest person. I could have gone to villages and stayed with Better Off or with NGOs because, you know, they give you free accommodation and there are so many NGOs across uh, India and I used to get in touch with them, but I would not go and stay with them. And the learning that I got, you know, um, you know, bedbugs. So in one, I I chose one house in um, um, uh, Maharashtra, hundred kilometers, a tribal area, it's called Bahanu. So I said, yeah, yeah, I'll stay with the poorest person. And these guys, the NGO that had gone through decided, aha, she's this elite girl. Let's see if she can do it, middle class. So they put me up in the house of a guy, Kaluram Dhange, who had the maximum bedbugs. His house was infested with bedbugs. So uh, 10 days later, when I arrived in Bombay to meet an industrialist to uh, raise some money, My uh, the chair of our board met me, and she said, "I don't recognize you. I had bed bug, you know, bites all over my face and body." So you know, um, it really helps you understand what people's lives are and the tolerance then, and uh, so on. So I, uh, you know, I used to uh, travel in um, third, three tier, which was unreserved. Uh, i never had enough money or time to get a reservation so i used to buy my ticket i used to travel legally but there wasn't a seat for me so i used to sit outside the toilet Um, and uh, you know um, um, it was very smelly when people came in and out and i remember uh, some people smoking there and i said why do you keep smoking they said to deal with this smell So, you know, there were ways to cope with everything. So, the the, the smoke really helped me. Um, Don't, don't, you know, uh, having said that, I would say to everyone don't even begin to smoke. It's the most difficult habit to get out of. I did it, I got out of it, and I keep telling people, um, you know, uh, I don't interfere in people's life, but smoking is something that I clearly do suggest. to people so i don't mean to say you know this is a way to deal with strategy okay it's not a good strategy by the way uh, amongst all the strategies i've used in life this was the worst one okay so from there i went on to you know i uh, uh, started working with uh, my, i also have a journalist background so i started working with um, i mean I, I i was trained in a did a one year program after my graduation in journalism. And so I started working with an Indian news magazine called Business India, nine days a month. And the rest of the time I used to use that 900 rupees that I got, I used to travel across India to NGOs and to communities. And that's how I learned. And I realized that I understood by then, women's issues, rights violations. I felt I had learned you know, enough about the problems and the solutions, you collaborate with others. So I would go and bring in people. And I met Bill Drayton, you know, who was the friend of a publisher uh, of Business India. And they decided that they they were planning a fellowship program and they decided I would be the first fellow. But they didn't know India, they didn't know poverty. So they said, all right, so let's design this together, this fellowship to support others to do public service. So Bill Drayton and I, who as you may have heard, and many of you, if you don't know, you should look up Ashoka Foundation. He and I were designed it together and set it up in India. And I was in my mid or early twenties and I ended up instead of becoming the first fellow I ended up becoming the first executive director of Ashoka Foundation. And then from there, I developed a passion for supporting others into, you know, going into the development sector. Because I had done my rounds, I'd met all the leaders. Because to to, to design this program, we went across India, Bill Brayton and I, and met every leader with a vision at the grassroots level and at the national level, people who were doing development work. So that was like a double uh, uh, class. It was like going to, you know, uh, all the cases I knew, it was like going to Harvard Law School, Kennedy School, uh, 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 Business School. It was a huge learning. So I then developed this passion for fellowships, you know, strengthening others, especially women. You know um giving opportunities to women creating pathways where you know they could balance their responsibilities as caregivers workers uh, professionals and uh, fulfill their passions so for a long time i was doing fellowship so ashoka i left in three years i started a more indigenous version of Ashoka, uh, which was Sruti Society for Rural Tribal Initiative. They give, we gave fellowships to people like Kalu Ram you know, whose house I stayed in, he was a school teacher. Now you see, we talk about community participation. But how does the community participate when they have to earn all day to earn the meal they're going to eat that day? So you have to free them up to do, you know, for community participation to take place. So, I started giving, raising money and giving fellowships to people um, who are from the community, who could create changes sitting there, and not the middle class elite like us, you know, who would go and uh, work with uh, such people, but they would become then the leaders. So, really, leadership of people, investing in leadership of people who want to work on development issues. And, you know, at a very young age, I got so much support from others that I knew the value, you know, of that support. So I set up Shruti and then I um, simultaneously, Mrs., you know, Mrs. Gandhi was assassinated by, um, unfortunately, a um, uh, security guard who was a Sikh. And it led to a lot of riots in Delhi and India in 84. And so I led this starting with stopping the, trying to stop the violence then leading a peace march with a few of us who came together and then we could, got into a relief and rehabilitation for the widows and the families. And so I simultaneously did that. And simultaneously, I had uh, um, you know the, the one person who I met on the roadside when we were trying to stop the violence there were two cars a day after the violence broke out the car i was in and some of my um couple of colleagues uh friends uh development activists and there was another car of uh, uh two people who knew the establishment that is the person i married ultimately my husband and we said you go to you know the establishment and we'll go to the other organizing uh political parties to call for a Uh, curfew and uh, curfew was already there, but all in the, we were ready to have armed forces come in and stop the violence because we realized it was going out of control. So simultaneously, while I was setting up these two organizations, I was making friends with Shiv who I'd met on the street and uh, I knew him and I met him on the street that day. I said he couldn't be a bad guy. anyway. I ended up getting married, so I was doing simultaneously relationship, setting up two NGOs, and once we decided to get married, he was going to the Kennedy School for a year. So I decided to take a year off and come with him, but of course I ended up doing all kinds of exciting things, including going to the Kennedy School so having run two fellowship programs when i was coming back to india after my husband finished his phd and we got two kids and i also did my mid-career at the kennedy school we um Makata foundation uh had this leadership program they were starting in india for mid-careers so you know i was synonymous by then with mid-careers i had experience so they thought why not uh So I ended up working with MacArthur Foundation in India when I came back and I set up their office. I set up a fellowship program for mid-careers and then I set up their institutional grants program. So, and my kids were growing up. So I ended up, you know, as soon as my husband finished his PhD, we came to India, uh, which was where we wanted to come come back and do the kind of work we learned more about um uh, Going to a school of public policy, which is Kennedy School, and doing uh, a public master's in public administration, I came back and I had two kids also, so young kids. So I worked for the MacArthur Foundation, but as soon as my kids grew up, I decided it's, I have to go back to activism. MacArthur was great fun, you know. I I I, I told the president of the foundation, I said, you know. It takes me 50% time only to do the work that I'm expected to do, making grants. And since I knew the NGO sector so well that I didn't have to do site visits to figure out, you know, should we fund them? And, you know, and also I could make out from the reports very quickly what to fix. So it wasn't, it was very easy work for me being a donor. So I spent the other half masquerading under the MacArthur Foundation umbrella and going back to my activism. So what was it that I knew I wanted to do is women's rights, uh, no rights, children, young, whoever rights violation to me is unacceptable. It drives me to do what I do, but it also drives me lazy and gender discrimination, so inequality, my, you know, my approach is you look at inequality, rights violations, you look at um, uh, creating, uh, you know, finding good solutions, analyzing always what needs to be done, what did we not do, what did we do wrong, and scaling up was another passion. So in, when I was in Makata, uh, I developed I worked uh, 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 with a few people uh, in the US and I fought with MacArthur Foundation, got them to fund a for profit agency based in DC, Washington, DC, to develop a scaling up framework. Because why did I do that? I found that India and the world, but India especially, has so, so many uh, uh, pilots. It's like a graveyard of pilots. And if you want to be, uh, a little more positive, uh, optimistic, then you can say it's a junkyard of pilots. So how, people don't know how to scale up, don't think scale. They think you know, you do a pilot, it gets replicated, is what we used to say when we were young. So I developed the scaling up framework. So one is scale. Uh, I helped develop the scaling up framework. So one is scale. You know, you've got to think scale. You can't just keep piloting all your life. And it's not fair to the community if the need is large. You know, you do experiments and you scale up and you understand the who, what, how of scaling up. It's not necessary that if I do a pilot, I scale up, but somebody else has better capability. And how do you ensure the research, the coalition building, everything in, has to be there in the pilot for you to scale up. Scaling up was a big passion of mine. And if I identified a problem which could be scaled up, I did it. So, when I came to, went back to activism full-time, went back, went to Pai, left Makata. Since my kids were grown up, I didn't have to do that, you know, balance. I thought, but it never ends, of course. (laughs) You're you're once a mother, always a mother. So, um, I, um, then, when I moved to... PFI, I did some reflection. I said, you know, why is, I'm fed I, I up of incremental growth. Why is it on women's issues, for instance, we go two steps forward and one and a half step backwards and then we're just maintaining the gains we have made in that half a step. So I decided to, you know, to really review what was going wrong. And I realized that we hadn't worked on changing social norms and behavior doesn't really change unless social norms are questioned and we have such vigorous social norms they are so patriarchal they're so anti-women anti-poor anti-young anti anti, it's all anti-anti and full of violations in every people's daily lives that that's when i thought of um, um doing something for changing social norms. And again, you know, this is a great example of the universe uh, 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 conspired to help me. I had no money, but I went to a meeting at BMGF in the head office and I, I was supposed to comment on a scaling up framework. So I went like a monkey to perform. I discovered they're looking at scaling up of behavior change communication. I said, wow. This is going to be an opportunity where I'm not contributing. I am going to learn more than contribution. So I learned that there was something called entertainment education, which had huge potential to change behaviors. You've written a paper on that, I know, or an article. Yeah, no, no, paper. So (coughs) I decided that I will get the best, um, you know, Entertainment education, if it's going to change large number, we have to do it. I had no money. All I did was I finally went, I went to, uh, I chose a uh, one of the finest uh, Bollywood directors in India who had sensitivity, and I brainwashed him into working with me. And I got in touch with uh, Dr. Arvind Singhal, who is uh, at. Austin, Texas University, heading the communication department. who have been involved with every behavior change communication in the world, and he's evaluated them. and He is a big entertainment education, and you know has an understanding. So I caught hold of him, and when I called him, I, he said, Desh ke liye kuch bhi karenge." He said, "For the country, I'll do anything." Sure. I said, "I have no money. I have this dream. Can you come to India and do a workshop with my colleagues?" And with the I've got a film director who I want to, you know, seduce more into doing the work. So please come. And he came and uh, Feroz Khan, the director we chose who made Gandhi my father, and he's a brilliant theatre director. In fact, he learned all about women and we called the uh, women and uh, women's issues, and we did a programme called I a woman can achieve anything. So the three of us went on a journey along with several of my colleagues. And in the meantime, you know, there was no money, but the money came Diffit gave us. I was, you know, you've heard of an elevator pitch. I, I never thought I had the ability to do elevator pitch because I'm used to giving money, not asking for money. But I was with a senior person from DFID in an elevator. And, I, uh, told, and she had heard me speak. I was a plenary speaker at the meeting she'd heard me speak and she said, oh, let's go up the elevator I have to pick up my bags and so we can chat on the way. So you mentioned that you want to change social norms and behavior. So I said, yes, absolutely. In two minutes, I told her what I wanted to do. And in six months, I had a $2 million grant from um, DFID to start the season one of Mech, which we got And, you know, when... Um, they found that could be. Karsakti has really impacted communities. Not We hadn't done the research. We, we, I, I like to evaluate everything I do. I am my worst critique. That's another, you know, I have no fear in critique, critiquing myself and getting others to critique me. I don't deal well with compliments. I feel very uncomfortable. So people know I will be more comfortable getting, because you, know, you get great feedback and you learn more from what you did wrong or you learn what not to do is more important than, or equally important as learning what to do. So um, um, we hadn't done the evaluation. It was part of the design and external evaluation. DFID for uh, staff took the Minister for Foreign Affairs who's the uh, chair of DFID, uh, who leads Fed in the country the, uh, for the government in England, he went to some rural area and found that women in their project didn't want to talk about what he wanted or his staff wanted to ask. They wanted to tell him about how it's changed their lives. So guess what they did? They gave me a top-up grant. Now, I'm a donor. I was a donor before that. I'd never heard of a top-up grant, but I got it. And I didn't even have to do a proposal because it was a pop-up grant and I did season two and then gates came in and gave us some money then government came in and gave us some money saying we wanted to do join this you know uh, 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 you know make it into a Swachh bharat which is uh, open defecation uh, to end the open defecation you know mobilize women so we said okay we'll do it so we got money from government so we've done season three season. And then, you know, uh, the founder of a, um, the first computer company in India, HCL, I met him, he became an advisor to us on our advisory council. And he said, why do you want to just do a television show? You must do a 360 degree approach, get integrated voice response, get radio, get um, digital media, that's the future. So I got a couple of and he introduced me to more people in that community, and we ended up kicking off from not knowing what to do to a 360-degree approach. So with Arvind Singles' help and Feroz's commitment and passion about, you know, working on gender issues, which we you know, which happened within a sort of period of six months, we were all um uh, you know, on a 360 degree approach, which was we introduced the 360 degree approach. It was a theory, it was something that was just talked about and we introduced and we got, you know, the finest minds supporting us. Uh, I couldn't have done it on my own or with just the staff or even money is not enough. It is, you know, Arvind Singhal continues to be our advisor, then a film actor a young film actor called Farhan Aptar, then he was younger. He came and said, you know, uh, I asked him to inaugurate season two, and he said, you know, I want to talk to you. So I said, sure. So I met him and he said, you know, I want to be a volunteer for you I really think what it's doing is amazing. So I said, you have the time. He said, I'll take out the time. So he became, at the end of every episode, he would sum up the episode, and sh- and you know, go talk about what needs to change. Uh, so we suddenly had this spike where our viewership went up, and I'd also been told that Rood darshan will never give free airtime to you. Well, you know, you have to. I learned from Gandhi that you have to persuade people. You have to use a bit of emotion, a bit of everything passion and so on, and make an argument that is so compelling. Uh, And so it's a combination of these things that get you to do wonderful things for which have an impact on society and others. But in the process, you get so much satisfaction, you get so much sense of achievement that I wouldn't trade my life for, any billion or um, trillion-dollar job.
0: Wow. <laughs> Poonam, I think both months and I have to. Let me tell you, it
1: wasn't hard at all.
0: Yes. And I guess what I'm hearing from you is uh, how, you know, one, you just need to, if you see something, don't just like crib about it do something about it and in the process there are so like you said the universe will conspire to help you there's so many people around you who might join and support your effort give you advice so that things continue to move forward so just like taking initiative taking charge is probably the first step out of the journey and like personally I feel it's it's very scary to do something but like actually doing something is what what makes a lot of difference as we can hear in your story. Uh, And two, I think you also spoke about so much time that you spent with the community uh, at the grassroots. And I think it highlights how important, like if you're working in the development sector, it is integral to understand the communities that we're trying to support. And I think the third thing that uh, that I heard from your story was the importance of talking to people and learning from others through that journey, like not just working with the community, but also yeah. talking to others and be keeping an open mind and constantly being flexible, being uh agile to keep on uh up, uh internalizing the feedback and improving on what you're doing. So these are the like you you said so much, and there was so much nuance in your story. But <laughs> if I had to share three takeaways at my end, I think these uh, would be uh, them.
1: I'd like to add to your narrative and uh, analysis that, you know, this is also a lot of what I said is not only for the development sector. It is, you know, a lot of universe conspiring if you really want something. Whichever sector you go to, these things are important and in terms of learning from the community, I'm saying there's no shortcut. So people who think by just getting a degree or going leapfrogging into a very senior position, if you don't know know, what are the different parts of work, admin, HR, you have to learn everything to be able to be a leader and a manager, senior manager. That's, so it's common to
0: any profession you may go into. That makes a lot of sense. Any, in any endeavor, I think these are the qualities uh, that need to be kept in mind. Poonam, you've done such a wide variety of work, uh, like activism, relief work, setting up that fellowship, doing philanthropy, running May Kuch Pi So these are such like, in terms of the kind of work you did, they differ a lot. Do you have any takeaways on, like, if you had to compare these different ways of working, what have your experiences been like? What did you like the most?
1: I liked a lot of what I did. So the learning was as exciting and important as doing. Okay. So, um, and any problem or any opportunities that is given to you, if you don't take it, it's a lost opportunity is how I feel. So you take the opportunity and you can learn alongside. You know, um, uh, you have to keep up with the issues. You have to keep up with the data, the literature. You don't become a geek and read all the time, but you have to, you know, you can't say that, you know, I'm going to, I don't know. I don't need to know what happens out there in the world. You need to know. You need to know what is happening in the education field. How is it linked to population? How is population linked to technology? You know, uh, in terms of technology in many different ways, uh, not just contraceptive technology or um, um, the data and so on, you need to know how you can use technology to communicate, for instance. So you have to keep up with what's happening in the world. Uh, You know, you have to be alert. Uh, What did I enjoy doing the most? The enjoying and the pleasure comes from being able to create something, being able to change something, being able to produce something. So that is, I mean, there is no kick like that. No alcohol, no drugs, nothing can give you the kind of kick that, you know, achieving something. And doing it well, you know, not accepting second-rate work. And especially if you're working in the development sector, you know, I always say the poor deserve the best. They deserve better than what we have. So, you know, people would say it's very expensive to do these, uh, um, I was working with somebody on thinking through uh, long years ago, uh, ambulances, you know, which would be, you know, go as little hospitals to um, the most remote areas. And they said, if you air condition it, you know, I said, the poor deserve air conditioned ambulances. And then we talked about, um, you know, places where the ambulance couldn't go. So on a donkey, um, you know, a a suitcase with all the remote tech, you know, way of testing and so on was going to go. And we call it, talk, talk on a donkey. and. I kept cutting corners and I kept saying, no, the poor deserve the best. Let's get the best talk box. Um, or uh, so, so uh, you know, uh, so remember when you're working on these issues and when you're working with other people's lives, you know, when you're working on health issues as I do, it is unethical not to keep up with the research and not to evaluate what you're doing. So um, evaluation also gives you, you know, tells you what, So I enjoy the evaluation, whether it tells me what I've done is not so well, it makes me feel, oh my God, I have to go a long way, I have to do a lot more. So you have to have also a very positive attitude. So being positive is something, uh, you know, it is, I have seen so many people have a burnout. So just keeping yourself alive and the other is having fun. So I went out for a film. I would go to a party. Okay, I couldn't make it at eight and nine when all civilized people go. I would crash in in at eleven o'clock because I was at work. I kept working, but I had fun too. You know, a lot of activists will wear these very shabby clothes and things. You know, I enjoy dressing up well. I I don't I don't worry about what people are going to think of me in the short run. You know. So, criticism or speaking truth to power is always unto yourself and to others. You may make people unhappy in the short run, but long run, everybody's happy. So, uh, I I must say, experimenting, learning, learning new theories, learning new ways of working, uh, uh, um, failing doesn't always come bring you joy. I would be lying if I said I did, but you know, um, learning from the failing, if you start focusing on the learning, so that I've enjoyed. You know, learning from my mistakes. So, uh, and other people's mistakes. So, you know, uh, I o- often say in, uh, uh, when we created May which Kar Satya, we spent a year uh, educating ourselves. See, you can't afford to go too wrong because you know, It's public money that is being invested in you. So you have to make sure. So you know that I enjoy working towards excellence, going beyond my own capabilities, going beyond other people, pushing them to go beyond their capabilities. That's something else I've enjoyed. It's not about yourself. It's the people you work with. Remember, you can't do anything on your own. Here, this kind of work, you need others. And so you have to invest in them. You have to help them grow, perform. And sometimes people do get a little upset with me for my pushing them too far, but I don't allow that to upset me too much. I know that I'm investing in them and they're going to become better professionals here or when they leave me. There are people who left to work with me because I'm pushing them hard, but they've done a great job in the next place. And they've always come back to me saying, how much they learned from my, you know, I have young colleagues telling me, you know, I cried after I came out of your room, but that's when I learned the maximum in retrospect. So you know, working hard and trying to strive towards excellence in any job, but when you're doing development work, so I've I've learned to do that. You know, nobody comes to the world perfect, doing excellent things but you know, so I've enjoyed doing that. You know, I've enjoyed growing and becoming, I've also had to work on your so many aspects. You know, another thing I've enjoyed is trying to become a better human being, you know, more um, empathetic, uh, more compassion. At one point I struggled, but I had less compassion for people who were nasty to me. So I learned how to, I worked, you know, I went to, I remember I used to do these workshops with the Dalai Lama and I, he said you, you know you've come for seven workshops you don't need to come why do you come my child every year i said you know i want to learn to be more compassionate and he said you know you, you, I, I i i can see you're a compassionate person so when i told him i i wanted to be learn to be more compassionate towards those who i don't like or who are not good to me that's a challenge for me and he told me this wonderful story that changed my you know so you have to go for help where you think you need um, you know you have to also keep working because we all have our jealousies and our you know all the traits that human beings have we have to we have to constantly work uh, towards overcoming i haven't overcome everything there's a lot of work still to do and a lot of learning still to do and so to answer your question or uh, change careers It's the response to a problem. It's learning and it's bringing in others who have expertise and more experience than you. That's the trick.
0: And uh, to conclude, if you had to give one advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be?
1: So, One thing I would say, you can achieve both men and women. I say that too. With all your other responsibilities, society and the tables and everything. You, you know, Whatever challenges you have, you can overcome and really, really do anything. And you must, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the world to go out there and do what you really want to do and do it. Don't get too confused. Should I do this? Should I do that? Pick up one thing you can always change and go to ultimately land where you want and finally, this is funny advice. Uh, some people may think, you know, one reason I've enjoyed my work is because I've moved from livelihoods to um, um, uh, reproductive health rights, women's rights, human rights. I've worked on environmental issues. It is so interesting because you're learning and you're moving and you're changing and you know, so on and so forth. And everywhere there is a career opportunity. It would have, quite have been boring if I just stopped. To doing um, uh, only livelihoods. In 30 years, 40 years, I would have been saying the same thing, you know, um, 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 uh, to an extent, or experience, having a lot of the same experiences. Of course, you can make it more creative and interesting within livelihoods. You can, you know, you can work with artisans, you can work with entrepreneurs, you can do all kinds of things. So make it interesting, make your work fun. Don't allow it to become boring. And the minute it becomes boring, sit back and say, what do I need to do? Do I need to change my career? Do I need to change my job? Do I need to change how I think? Do I need to go back to school? You know, going back to the Kennedy, going to Kennedy School when I was 14, uh, uh, as a mid-career student was so energizing.
0: I learned so much. So there's, you know, keep learning. That's such beautiful advice. Thank <clears throat> you so much, Poonam.
1: thanks a lot
0: (laughs) I I have greatly enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad and I'm sure like both Mats and I I think this has made our day and I'm sure that whoever listens to it it will make their day as well not just day like it will inspire us to do something more to do something good